Hello, hello, and welcome to today's episode of Saddest Night Out. My name is Roy, and I am the host of this Cough Cough daily podcast, Cough Cough, which is primarily about music and creative culture in London. I cough because this hasn't been a daily podcast for a while, but I am back. Apologies for the absence. Spotify tells me I think it was the 18th of June that I last posted an episode online. So let's let's try and get back to the daily thing. So a lot has happened since I last spoke to you all. The biggest thing that happened is that I played a headline show in London. It was a show that I might have mentioned a few times on this podcast. I played it at Road Trip and the Workshop and the artists that played with me were in this specific order. Delilah Black, Its Own Animal, and Juliet and Nanette. And it was an absolute blast. Full disclosure, I don't think I did as much as I could have in the run-up to the show. Part of that being that I played seven songs. Four of those songs had their lyrics finished that morning, the morning of the show. And then I finished the backing tracks for one of those songs about an hour before I left for soundcheck, etc., I am very aware that that's how my mind works most of the time. I need that external pressure for me to actually get over myself and get something done. Hence me starting this podcast as a way to get something done musically each day and as a way to go out and talk to people, etc., etc. It's not the healthiest situation, I don't think, but as long as it is what's working for me at the moment, it's what I'm going to go with. But thank you very much to everyone who came to that show to the artists that played with me, to Road Trip and the Workshop for having me. Taylor was the guy I was liaising with. Seb was the sound guy. And it was a really fun night. I think the biggest VIP was my dad, who I didn't know was coming, and who travelled over 300 miles to be there, and then left after I played one song. I didn't realise he had left. Of course, he had to get his bus back. But about halfway through my set... I mentioned that my dad was there and that it was his birthday tomorrow and I gestured towards the back of the room where he was, not knowing that he wasn't there anymore, but my cousin Freddie was there. So I, from what I understand, everyone looked at him thinking he was my dad. <laughs> and I think he was, you know, trying to just say, no, no, it's not me. But I kind of wish he was just like, yep, that's my son up there. Very proud. But yeah, thank you very much, Dad, for coming. Thank you to my cousins, Jesse and Freddie, for coming. A lot of people came, uh, there were some guests who, I think particularly Gary, aka Its Own Animal, he had a guest who came who hadn't seen Gary do this for years, I don't think had been out in this way for years either, so this was a bit of a special occasion for them, and those are the things, as well as my dad coming, those are the things I didn't consider when setting this up honestly i just set it up because i wanted to play a show and thought the easiest way for me to do it would be to put on my own show and i was very grateful to everyone who came the others that played etc but ultimately that was a very selfish need that i was trying to fulfill so i'm super grateful to everyone else who came among the people that came was james James is a photographer who's been on the podcast a few times. I think the one that sticks out is an episode that I think is called Magic... uh, Is it called Magic Wands? Bring out the regulars at the Shacklewell Arms. But James is someone who's been to a lot... goes to a lot of shows and often takes many a picture at those shows. I didn't know he was coming to my show, but 
He is a fan of the podcast, so I guess that's how he heard about the show. And he brought his cameras as well. All 59 million of them. So we had some fantastic pictures taken, for which I am very grateful. Some other previous guests of the podcast who came to the show, Dan Caleb, Nielsen Reevely, Nicole, who I think is one of the most recent guests I've had, and they were all very complimentary afterwards as well. Jacko came. Jacko performed with Carolina, who hasn't been on the podcast yet, much to my shame, but will hopefully be on the podcast in the near future. There were two gentlemen who came to my open mic the Sunday before the show. They are called Anthony Anthony, sorry, and Scott. They're American. They're in town on business. They brought their daughters. Their daughters were asleep at the hotel, so the two dads came out for a bit of a dad's night out for my Sunday open mic at the plough. We got talking afterwards, and I somewhat offhandedly mentioned, hey, if you're still in town, I'm playing a show on Tuesday. And they came, and they brought their daughters and some other friends. And I gave them a shout-out from the stage, and then afterwards they said, thank you for the shout-out. My daughters thought that was really cool. So I was very touched by that as well. Thank you both, Anthony and Scott, for coming. Yeah, it was a, an awesome show. Delilah Black played first. She was assisted by with assisted by Buckley. I think that's the correct grammar. Assisted by Buckley on guitar. Delilah had a whip. I didn't know she had a whip as part of her act. It was an amazing opening act to have. It really roundhouse was a real roundhouse kick to the face for the audience. It was fantastic. Delilah was working her sample as well. She told me there were some newer materials, some new ideas they were working out, and I thought this is the perfect forum to do that. Its own animal, Gary, was the second performer. He is a real... I think I referred to him as a, a one-man orchestra or a one-man army of sound. And I think it had been a while since he had performed in this way as well. He was fantastic. He brought quite a few guests too. Then Juliet and Nanette. Juliet sings and plays piano. Nanette plays cello. They were both fantastic. I think they... I think I... I found all of these artists via the open mics, and I think I found Juliet and Nanette first. It was at an open mic at the London Welsh, which is on Grey's Inn Road, I think is the name of it. Grey's Inn Road, Grey's Inn Street. But there's an episode where Juliet is playing piano, and I that venue had a this big red velvet curtain behind the stage, and then the sound desk was behind that curtain. There was one time Juliet was playing... And I went behind that curtain to sort out the sound, but I couldn't come back out from behind the curtain. So I just stayed back there and enjoyed the music and recorded some of the audio, which is on one of the episodes from the London Welsh. I can't remember which one. But they were all fantastic. I was the I I knew they'd be great. I was the wild card. I was the one where, oh, I hope I'm okay. But the night seemed to go down well. My sister was there as well, which is awesome. And yeah, just in general, a great night. And then two days later, so that was Tuesday the 25th of June. Two days previous, Sunday the 23rd of June, I played with the Paperboat Collective, including Sean and Fabio and John and many others. Sean, Fabio and John in particular have been on the podcast before. There was our collective, the Paperboat Collective, and then it was the Collective Dots, and then it was Aussie and Friends. It was almost like a step up from an open mic. Each person did about three songs each on a proper stage. I played first, which felt good because it was as if I could get my homework out of the way straight away and then just enjoy the show. So I played my music solo with acoustic guitar and then I played... I think I played guitar for Joanna and then drums for Sean and then drums for Fabio. 
And then towards the end of the night, I, oh, at one point, I held the phone for one of the performers who needed to read the lyrics from their phone. I, I was also the host slash MC for the night as well. And then towards the end of the night, there was a bit of a jam session that happened where I was on the bass, Sean was on drums, and then we swapped instruments without stopping playing either instrument. Then I ended up on guitar. It was really interesting. I realised it was me, Sean and Ozzy who were jamming together. When Sean is on the guitar and Ozzy on the guitar, they can they can solo, they can shred a bit. They can play blues scales or the pentatonic scale, if those words mean anything to you. And they can really show what they've got. I can't do that. But I realised what I can do is play one chord and then just mix up the rhythm. By the way, thank you to Juliet and to Kenneth, Kenneth Boville, whose episode is now online as well. They both came out to that show, so thank you very much for that. I would just play one chord on the guitar and then somewhat like stab at it in different rhythmic patterns, and that was my way of, uh, I guess, jamming on the guitar, which is a fun discovery to make in real time while playing with other people. So that happened Sunday 23rd. My show was Tuesday 25th, and then Thursday 27th. By the way, that Sunday 23rd show was at the Stag's Head in Hoxton. My show, Tuesday 25th, was at the Road Trip and the Workshop on Old Street. And then Thursday 27th, I was at Underbelly Hoxton, Hoxton Underbelly, previously known as Siegfried von Underbelly, though if you look for that venue on Google Maps, it says it's closed. It isn't, it's just under refurbishment upstairs. It's Gigi's Bar downstairs, I think it's Hoxton Underbelly. But the important thing is that Lou played his first real proper headline show at that venue, Thursday the 27th. It was a busy few days. Part of the reason why I've been away from the podcast for a while. I helped him to find that venue. I again acted as host host slash MC for that. It was fantastic. He had a live band behind him. He was the only person that performed that night. Kin Sol was the DJ for the rest of the evening. And it was fantastic. At the start, you could see he felt he came across as maybe being a bit new to that stage. But by the end, it was he was very much at home and owning it. And I look forward to the next one and the next one and the next one because... I felt I was watching a superstar in the making during that performance. So those are all. Oh, and that was to celebrate the release of his new EP, Midnight Rotations, available on all streaming platforms. Busy few days, but I know I've got a lot of work to do. I really enjoyed the show I put on so much so that I'm all. I've already got eyes towards putting on another one. I'm already talking to the artist I'd like to play that show. So watch this space. I am also more in the right mindset to prepare a little more in advance of the show. Just a little more than doing it the morning of the show. But it reminded me of when I started doing open mics and it wasn't until the day of the open mic that I would prepare what I wanted to perform. The more you do that, the more, the less alien it feels to just sit down and write some lyrics or finish a song in preparation for something you're going to do in two weeks or in a month's time or whatever. So I'm very grateful for the experience and I look forward to the next one. And I promise I'll put the word out there with a little more advance notice than the weekend before. I think the Saturday before the show, I sent many a text to people, some of whom came, some of whom didn't, but hopefully they will all be able to make it to the next one. In other news, in the in the rest of the music realm, we had a, a sad loss, a sad and very unexpected loss a French producer and electronic musician by the name of Philippe Zdar passed away. I think it was Wednesday the 26th, the day after my show. Either Wednesday 26th or Thursday 27th is when I knew about it. 
No, it wasn't. It was a week before that. Forgive me, my mistake. I believe it was either Wednesday 29th or Thursday 20th of June. Because I hosted the open mic at the Nelsons in Hoxton on the Thursday. And in honour of his legacy. And I know Philip Zadar best as being the producer for the band Phoenix, who won the Grammy for, I think it was Best Alternative Album for their fourth album, Wolfgang Amadeus Phoenix, which is a fantastic album. Really changed the landscape for indie rock music, in, in my opinion. So, as a, something of a salute, as a nod, as a way to honour his legacy, on my open mic night that Thursday, I played the entire discography of Phoenix in between the artists that performed that night. So, United alphabetical, it's never been like that, Wolfgang Amadeus Phoenix, Bankrupt, and Tiamo. Those are, to my, the best of my knowledge, all of the albums by Phoenix in chronological order. And I played all of them as the background music for that evening. Similar to when we found out we'd lost Keith Flint from the group Prodigy, I played Firestarter on repeat when I hosted the open mic at the Thornhill Arms that night. And then I dropped in a few doses of breathe and out of space because some people in the audience were like oh you can't play it again but by the end of the night the audience are saying no no play Firestarter again so I think I played it another three times at the end of the night and we had ourselves a mini rave in his honour very sad loss there au revoir Philippe Zdar in other other news before I played my first show well before I played the Tuesday show I finished the book a Slacker Guide to the Music Industry by Phil Taggart. He's a DJ in Radio 1. He is the the an owner of a record label. He puts on live music events as well. He's a DJ in his own right. He is a very busy man with his fingers in many pies. And he wrote a book that was something of an A to Z of what you can expect if you choose to pursue a career in making music. It's pretty encyclopedic but it's not the be all and end all of what you need to know but it very much answers many questions you're likely to have in this arena as opposed to maybe being a lawyer or a surgeon or an architect or a banker or something with those types of professions there's a more traditional route to attaining that role but in music there's still a strong atmosphere of you know shoulder shrugging and figuring it out as you go along and making many mistakes but with this book in your arsenal there are you are less likely to make some obvious mistakes that many people have made. I think of it as the whole book is basically almost a support group. One, that you are not completely crazy for choosing to pursue this line of work. But two, there are some I's to dot and some T's to cross on your pursuit. And here they are so that you're not blindsided by them. So do check that out. I think his website is phillytaggartslacker.com, philly with one L. And it's a very great read, so thank you, Phil, for that. He is someone I would love to get on the podcast in the future, so watch this space. Glastonbury happened last weekend, and that... I don't think it's too outrageous to say I would love to play Glastonbury next year. I'm not saying I'd headline or play one of the big stages. Maybe it would be the BBC introducing stage, but I don't think it's too much of a stretch to have that be a goal that I want to achieve. The shows that I played the Sunday and the Tuesday, I played them both solo. I didn't have a band behind me. Those of you who have listened to this podcast for a while will know that I told myself I wouldn't watch Game of Thrones or Avengers until I had a rehearsal with a full band. 
I don't know when that's going to happen. So I am in no rush to watch Avengers or Game of Thrones. The same goes for Black Mirror and Stranger Things, which have both returned to streaming services and I haven't seen either of them. But it's okay. I'll see them when the time is right. But right now, I'm okay with playing solo. I think I will focus more on recording the music and putting that out there to hopefully maybe make some money through publishing, which is something I was made more aware of thanks to that book, The Slacker Guide to the Music Industry. So, But Glastonbury was awesome. I was already watching the highlight reels of, I think, the a lot of this most recent Glastonbury is available on the BBC iPlayer as are highlights from previous Glastonbury years. I think 2014, 15, 16 and 17 are available online, just the highlights. And up on iPlayer now for, I think, another 27 or so days are complete sets from a whole bunch of artists from the night. Stormzy, The Killers and The Cure were the main headliners. Stormzy, I think he, I think it's well known, he is the first British rap grime artist who headlined the pyramid stage at Glastonbury and he absolutely knocked it out of the park but another person who I think deserves a shout out from their, for their performance is Lizzo, that is a name that should not be unfamiliar to you she played an afternoon set I don't even remember which day it was that she played, I think it was Saturday but my god she was absolutely phenomenal massive audience for her had them joining in on so many of her songs. Great atmosphere, great energy. Just incredible. A real high watermark for how to do Glastonbury right. There were more than a few tweets that said Lizzo won Glastonbury and it's hard to disagree. So I will definitely I might not watch Avengers or Game of Thrones or Black Mirror or Stranger Things, but I will be absolutely gorging myself on performances from Glastonbury. So far I have watched Stormzy, I watched Lizzo, I just watched Vampire Weekend. I I know Interpol's on there, Pale Waves. I think The Big Moon played, but I can't find their performance. But Chris Martin was all over the place as well. He was part of Stormzy's set. He was part of Kylie Minogue's set. The man just can't stay away. And with good reason, because I think, I think Coldplay have the title for headlining the most times. Four times they've headlined. So I think he's earned the right to show up at whatever set he wishes to show up at. What else happened in music news? Oh, Taylor Swift. Her first six albums are now owned by Scooter Braun. I think that's how you say his name. Braun? Brown? I might be wrong there. Because the previous record label she was with has been bought by him. You should really check online for the true facts. Don't trust me for the absolute facts on these news stories. But these are just stories that caught my eye. Again, something that if you read the book, the slacker guy to the music industry. These are type of pitfalls you just might be able to avoid. Taylor Swift started her major label or her recording career when she was about 15, I think. So it's understandable if there were certain things she wasn't completely aware of at the time that are now coming back to hurt her, so to speak. She's already voiced that she's very unhappy with the fact that this turn of events has happened. And it there's so many secret trap doors in the music industry. I don't really have any judgment to cast or anything like that on that story, but it was just something that caught my eye. Another thing that caught my eye is that Slater Kinney have returned, but their drummer, Janet Weiss, or Weiss, I'm not sure how you say her surname. I should really learn some surnames. But she has left the group. She was there for the album recording. She was there for the promo. She was part of their, I think it was Steve, no, no, it was Jimmy Kim, not Kimmel, Fallon, Jimmy Fallon's late night show that they played on. 
She did all that, and now she said she's left the band. I think she wasn't too happy with the direction. The album is notably produced, I think, by St. Vincent, and you can really feel her fingerprints, over, at least from what we've seen so far. You can tell she was a part of it. And that's unfortunate that Janet has left the band, but I'm sure the the band will persevere. Again, just a new story that caught my eye. No real opinion to leave on it or anything like that. Just, huh, how about that? Another thing that caught my eye, there's a band called Summer Cannibals, who I think I found out about them via the Grey Estates, retweeting one of their tweets, which really caught my eye. And that tweet is as follows. Apologies for the tapping you're hearing. That's me waking my phone up so I can open Twitter. The tweet says... I'm a musician, not an Instagram content creator. So why do I feel like my entire career depends on the stupid effing photos I post on this band's Instagram? And that is a sentiment I think many people can relate to. That the music is very much secondary to the capital C content that you provide to the audience. And that's a conversation I've very much been having with myself. I played a show a week ago, you would not know that if you were to follow me via social media. I'm on Instagram, I'm on YouTube, I'm on Twitter, I'm on Facebook. I don't do much with any of those platforms. And that's something I need to work on. I would like to set myself the goal of posting something every day. Just to post. I think I can get in my head about, oh, it's got getting very precious about it. It has to be the perfect thing I post. Strike the perfect note. Be the right amount of funny or interesting or make me seem cool to get those follower numbers up. And I think... Much like I've done with the podcast, I need to leave that thinking behind and just do it because I want to do it. Because when you do you, when you let your truest, your truest self shine through, I think that is the best way to attract people to what you are doing. So that's the muscle I need to start exercising again when it comes to social media. There is a part of me that likes the idea of hiding in plain sight or maybe I was very much leaning on the crutch of just letting my podcast be my social media existence. But I think there's a classic cliched phrase of having to pivot to video when it comes to working in the media landscape. It goes back to, I think, Facebook saying that video was the most effective form of media on their platform. Although I think later on it was revealed that that was not as true as Facebook would want you to believe it was. But a lot of people were laid off from many journalistic platforms in particular, a lot of newspapers, a lot of websites, let go of a lot of people because they were pivoting to video. And I think to some degree, I should also look at pivoting to video, or maybe just start with photos, but just paying more attention to my existence online. Because the idea is that if I can build up a bigger existence online, then I can funnel that attention towards artists that I think are worthy of that attention. That is what NME was for. That was what MTV was for. That was what those platforms were for. And I think now people, artists take it upon themselves to have to shout out, hey, I do this thing. And this is the speech that I gave at the very start of this whole podcast. When everyone's trying to draw attention to themselves, it can all blur into this grey din. But if I can maybe poke my head out through all that and then in turn reflect that attention back to the people I talk to, it's a mutually beneficial win-win, quid pro quo, etc., etc. situation. So that's what I'm working towards. 
I think that was everything that I had on my mind. I actually wrote down a bunch of things I wanted to say so that I could try and get through everything and have a little less umming and ahhing during the episode. How long have I been here? 23 minutes, almost 24. I think that will do. So apologies. I shouldn't really apologise for not being around because, you know, I was living my life. But hey, let's focus on the positive. I am back and I hope you are back as well. Thank you all once again if you came to any of the shows that I played or even to spread the word about them. Thank you very much. I will keep you posted on when the next show I put on will happen. It's looking like the 21st of July at the Stag's Head might be the return of the collectives. But stay tuned for that. And that, I think, is everything for me for now. I will get back to doing what I do. My next open mic is this Wednesday at the Littleton Arms in Camden. Go to ukopenmic.com to see more of the nights that I helped to run. I had a weird thought. What if there was an open mic at Glastonbury? How cool would that be? It might be a bit of a logistic nightmare. Two songs per performer. I don't know how the setup would be. But if you could get the chance to say, maybe on the Thursday it would happen. Imagine Thursday night open mic at Glastonbury. Yeah, maybe if I don't... Maybe that's how I would play Glastonbury next year, by hosting the open mic. Because then you'd have a lot of performance you could say, I've played Glastonbury. And if it was Thursday, there'd be no other major headliners to draw attention away. Imagine if there was open mic on the pyramid stage on the Thursday night of Glastonbury. There, I said it first. Don't don't steal my idea, okay? That's my idea. <laughs> There's a note to end this episode on. Thank you all very much for listening. I've been Roy, you've been gorgeous. That's something I've started saying at the end of open mics. I've been Roy, you've been amazing. Get home safe, see you next week and good night. But thank you for listening. I'll catch you on the next episode, whenever that may be. Otherwise, take care of yourselves and I'll see you around. And that is me.